watching that video, talked about all those things that the Lord does. I like them all. I like them all. I think there's a great list, and I'm glad he does them. But you know what I'm really happy about was the last word up there, forever. Forever. I'm, I'm glad I don't have to just make sure I hit him on the right day. I'm, I'm thankful that he's faithful. Boy, that is, that is great. Hey, I'm really glad we're all together today. Uh, we're going to continue our, our series, The Ministry of Jesus, and uh, we're going to be in John 9. And uh, this is going to be interesting because we're going to see one of Jesus' miracles that he performed, but what we're going to get a chance to look at it is from the perspective of four different groups. Isn't it interesting how a whole bunch of people can see the same thing, but they come away having seen something different? Okay, well, that's what we're going to kind of experience this morning. So uh, let's uh, begin by reading the first portion of today's scripture. We're in John chapter 9. If you have your Bibles, I encourage you to turn to that. John 9, we're going to read verses 1 through 12. So starting in John 9, uh, verse 1, uh, it says, As he went along, talking about Jesus, as he went along, he saw a blind man from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? this man or his parents, that he was born blind. Well, neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with his saliva, and he put it, on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed, and he came home seeing. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed he was. Others said, No, nah, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes open, they asked. And he said, the man they called Jesus made some mud, put it on my eyes, and he told me to go to the pool of Siloam and washed. So I went and washed, and then I could see. Where is this man, they asked. I don't know, he said. Okay, so in these first few verses right we 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 read that jesus it says he was going along and you know at first that's something i just read right over i thought okay he's just going along sure but you know here's the thing this this wasn't at church this wasn't at some seven in the evening special healing service no do you know what i mean that this wasn't some special event wherever you know where they sent out you know ran ads and sent out flyers and told everybody come that what this was, this was just Jesus doing his daily life. Jesus just was out going along, which meant, I mean, that could be like you're just going along to the grocery store. You're just going along to go to work. And Jesus was just going along doing life. And in the process of doing his daily life, he encountered a man who was blind. Now, the first thing when we read that too that I thought was kind of interesting is they see a man who was born blind and the disciples' first things out of their mouth was they asked Jesus a question, but it's not a question about healing him. 
it's a question about who sinned. I mean, I don't think that would be the first question that would come to my mind if I saw that. But, but they said, who sinned? Was it the man or his parents? Why do you think they would ask that? They're wondering if he's been punished, right? Yeah. Could be wondering if they're punished. Maybe, yeah, about not enough love. I mean, you, he's blind because he doesn't have enough faith. I mean, what, there, there, was, there was kind of a, a cultural thing at that point in time where it was a belief in Jewish culture that sort of calamity or misfortune was the result of some sin. Someone had done something, and this was the, the result, okay? But Jesus told the disciples, neither one had sinned. The man didn't sin. The parents didn't sin. But this man's blindness was an opportunity for God to show his power and glory through healing him. Now, the next couple of verses give us the details of how the healing took place, okay? And I'm just going to step aside for a minute, and I'm going to do something for simplicity, okay? for the rest of the message talking about this. The man born blind, so that I'm not referring in all these different pronouns and things, I'm just going to call him Bob. Okay? And I'm not trying to do it to be humorous, but I picked Bob because, because there's nobody here named Bob. Okay? And so I just thought, I'm just going to call him Bob because he'll just make communication about who am I, am I talking about Jesus or am I talking about the man or whoever, you know, just be really clear when I'm talking about the man. Okay? So I'm going to do that. All right? So it tells us how Jesus healed him. And it tells us that Jesus made some mud and he put it on Bob's eyes. Okay? And over the course of Jesus' ministry, Jesus healed a lot of people from blindness described in scripture i mean he some one by one some it talks about hoarding groups of people together it says he healed all the sick and all the blind so i mean we don't really know how many people jesus healed from blindness but it was a lot okay but uh, uh so he healed a lot of people but most of the times on those healings we're not told the process we're not really told what jesus did you know, and so, what, in fact, he may have just said, be healed. And that's all it takes, right? A word from Jesus is, is, is all you need. Uh, but obviously, uh, Jesus uh, did not need to make mud for Bob to be healed. Okay? So, and we don't know why he chose to do it that way. It doesn't tell us. But... I just, I thought about that. I wonder why in this case it told us. And just one thought that comes to my mind uh, is since Bob had been blind from birth, so Jesus may have felt like Bob needed some type of um, physical symbol. Something that, since he couldn't see, something that he could feel. So he put mud on his eyes maybe as a way to encourage his faith. That, that, that something was, was, was there. Something was different, okay? So the mud would be something that Bob could feel on his, on his eyes. No matter, we all know the mud didn't do the healing, right? But it may have helped Bob in his faith to think that some process was, was underway, okay? Because what healed him was obedience 
to the word of God, right? Okay, uh, so now after Jesus puts the mud on Bob's eyes, he told him to go wash in the pool of Siloam. Bob obeyed. And he went and he washed, and it tells us that, that he could see. Now, the rest of, um, the rest of chapter 9, though, is all about the different people that Bob encounters. It's all about how various groups and individuals, uh, you know, reacted. And, and so the first group we're going to take a look at was the neighbors. It talks about the neighbors. Okay, yeah, you got to deal with the neighbors, right? So now think about the neighbors. The neighbors were people that Bob's been around for years, his whole life. Uh, they've seen Bob since he was little, okay? But suddenly, think about this. Suddenly, now that Bob can see them, they can't see him. They can't see him. They, they couldn't recognize him. In verses 8 and 9, it said his neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, is it this the same man who used to sit and beg? And some claimed he was, and others said, no, he only looks like him. Well, I mean, you kind of wonder, how many guys look like Bob? I mean, you know. That, look, look, the thing that's interesting to me, though, is they had no trouble apparently accepting the fact that this man, whoever he was, right, had been blind, and now he could see. They were just skeptical concerning who he was and how he had been healed. They weren't sure it was really Bob. Because in their minds, think about it. In their minds, how could it be? How could it be Bob? Right? People born blind don't just start to see. And so it, they just couldn't. They couldn't align it, okay? Look, there are a lot of people like this today, aren't there? Who, who maybe don't doubt that miracles might take place somewhere. They just aren't really sure it would happen in front of them. Just not sure it would happen to them um, or someone close. Because it's a lot easier and more comfortable to just hear about miracles that happen somewhere else. Because, because when it just happens somewhere else and not in front of me or around me, that it means I don't have to give any kind of response. I, I, my, my faith isn't challenged at all. It, it, it's, does that make sense? It's just easier. Go, okay, but then I can just move on. But if it's right here, that kind of calls for me to either say, I recognize Bob, and I, and I know Bob, and Bob was healed, rather than, I don't even see him anymore. I don't know who he is. Who is this guy? Uh, I guess the, the neighbors, you might say, found Bob's healing interesting. But their faith was not challenged. And they were unmoved. Okay. So let's go and let's read the next portion of our scripture today. We're going to read verses 13 to 34. Uh, so after, you know, Bob... Right after the neighbors, it says they brought him to the Pharisees. Now, the day on which Jesus had made mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Therefore, the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. And he said, he put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I washed and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. 
But others asked, well, how can a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided. Then they turned again to the blind man. What do you have to say about him? It was your eyes that he opened. The man replied, he's a prophet. They still did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. Is this your son? They asked them. Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it that he can now see? So the parents go, well, we know he's our son, the parents answered, and we know he was born blind, but how he can see now or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He's of age. He'll speak for himself. His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who had already decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. That was why his parents said, he is of age, ask him. A second time they summoned the man who had uh, been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man is a sinner. He replied, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know. I was blind, but now I see. I was blind, but now I see. They asked him, well, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? The man answered. He said, I've told you already, and you didn't listen. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become one of his disciples? Well, then they hurled insults at him, and they said, you are this fellow's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow... We don't even know where he comes from. Which, by the way, telling someone, speaking that I don't even know where they come from, was like a way of, it was like a diss. It was like saying, you're not even important enough for me to know where you're from. Okay, so that's, they really weren't confused geographically. That was like a way of, we don't know who, we don't, we don't recognize him. The man answered that this is remarkable that you don't know where he's from, but yet he was able to open my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of the opening of the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were from God, were not from God, he could do nothing. Was what Bob said. To this they replied, "You were steeped in sin at birth. How dare you lecture us?" And they threw him out. Yeah. Okay. So Okay, so we got the Pharisees now, right? Okay, when, when Bob was brought to them, they immediately asked him, as you might imagine, how he had received his sight. Now, wouldn't you think that a group of religious leaders like that, when they are presented with a miracle, that the very first thing they would do would be to praise and rejoice and thank God for doing this incredible miracle? Okay, but no, right? When they heard that Jesus had made some mud and put it on Bob's eyes and told him to go wash in the pool of Siloam, the first thing and the only thing they could see and the only thing they could focus on was that Jesus had done what they defined as work on the Sabbath, which in their, in their view was not allowed. Some of the Pharisees again claimed that Jesus was not from God since he violated the Sabbath rules. But some other Pharisees said, but, then, but how could a sinner perform such signs? And so it says that they were, as a group, they were divided. It seems like the Pharisees, 
and even from other passages we've studied in previous weeks, seems to me like the Pharisees spent all their time in closed-door sessions, you know, debating who Jesus was and, and investigating his work. While Jesus spent his time out in the community, out where people actually were and where they lived, and he spent his time out there with them healing the sick and, and helping those who needed help and encouraging those who needed encouragement. Jesus was out with the people. Look, the truth is the Pharisees' public skepticism uh, and doubt about who Jesus was had nothing to do with them having insufficient evidence to confirm that Jesus was, in fact, the Messiah, that he was fulfilling all the Old Testament prophecies that would, that would signal the arrival of Messiah. But it had everything to do with their jealousy of his growing popularity and his increasing influence over the people. Let me give you uh, a modern-day translation of their problem. They thought Jesus was stealing their customers. That's, that's real simple. Because he was. I mean, right? I mean, people weren't, he wasn't stealing them. They were leaving them and turning to Jesus because, because Jesus was actually showing them love and compassion and helping and meeting their needs instead of reading them a list of rules. If only the Pharisees had had the same spirit the same heart as John the Baptist. John the Baptist, who if you recall earlier when in our studies in the book of John, we said that when after John had baptized Jesus, in John 3.30, John the Baptist said of Jesus, he must become greater and I must become less. Other translations say he must increase, I must decrease. Basically, I would say what John the Baptist was telling everybody is Jesus needs to now take center stage. Everybody else needs to get off the stage. Okay? But they didn't, did they? The Pharisees wouldn't. Question, what, what would you mean? What's meant by spiritual blindness? What is spiritual blindness? Not accepting what is, what is, okay. What else do you think? Looking for reasons. Yeah, okay. Hard heart can't receive what's there. Not understanding. Yeah, those are good answers. Spiritual blindness, right? It's, a, it's an internal condition. Right? It's an internal condition, and it occurs, you think about when we focus our attention on our, our pride, our desire, our limited understanding, and we won't accept what's happening right in front of us. That's exactly what the Pharisees were doing, right? It, the Pharisees' prideful assumption, right, their prideful assumption was that they were the experts in all things God, right? That they were the experts. And they were unwilling to accept that Jesus was the Messiah. 
their prejudice and their disbelief because, because they didn't want, the, if Jesus was the Messiah, their lives, everything that they had been doing up till that point in time was going to change. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It was going to. They, on the Sabbath, yeah, they. It was it, everything they had built their life around. They right, they had this, yeah, they had this neat, tidy little box with a list of rules for this, a list of rules for that, and and not only did they expect themselves to live by those rules, I guess, but they sure expected you to. Right, and 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 you know what? If you didn't, you needed to give some money. You needed to offer a sacrifice. Okay, and now all of a sudden that was all maybe going to change. And so they, they were unwilling for a variety of reasons. To, they be, and, and, you know, if you ever noticed, it's a little like if you keep denying something, it's almost like you get a, like a callus, you know. And so you, you keep denying and you keep denying another layer of denial. And, another, and all of a sudden you're, you're kind of numb. There's an area you just can't, can't feel that anymore. You can't sense that. And I think, I think they had denied what was right in front of them for so long that, that probably while some of them were doing it intentionally still, they knew what was actually happening. But they just didn't want to admit it. Others may have begun to get callous and literally blind to what was going on. Right, I mean, think about it. Right in front of their own eyes, Jesus was fulfilling all the Old Testament prophecies that would mark the arrival of the Messiah. And the Pharisees, think about it. These are the guys who had all the Old Testament that was available memorized. These were the guys, these were the guys, if anybody should have been able to recognize and acknowledge the arrival of Messiah, it was the Pharisees because they knew all of the Old Testament prophecies that would, that would signal, that would point, that would say, yep, this, other people have come along and said, we're, we're the guy, but they didn't do these things. They were fakes and frauds. Now you've got the real guy right in front of you, and you will not acknowledge it. And they should have been the first, and yet they were the ones who would have nothing to do with it. So they became spiritually blind because they wouldn't acknowledge what was happening, like just right in front of their own eyes. The Pharisees' faith, as a result, right, remained locked in the past. I mean, it, it remained locked on what God had done, what he had done, without any room for receiving and understanding what he was doing now. He was saying, behold, I'm doing a new thing. Okay, so we, we've looked at the neighbors and the, and the Pharisees. So now let's talk about the parents. Okay? I, the parents, when the Pharisees questioned the, the parents, I mean, can we all agree the parents knew Bob better than anybody? I mean, if anybody knew Bob, it was his mom and dad, right? Even though he's an adult now, they knew him better. And, and so they did, when they were called in front of the Pharisees, they acknowledged that they knew Bob was their son and that, in fact, he had been born blind. But when they were asked how he had been healed, they immediately... <laughs> turned turn it all back over to Bob, okay? They turned it over to Bob, and they said, he's an adult. Ask him. Now, again, Scripture doesn't tell us, but I kind of think it's okay for us to use logic here, okay? 
I don't think there's any doubt that they knew that, I think there's no doubt Bob had told them what had happened to him. If Bob had told the neighbors, surely he told mom and dad. That's, how I, that's why I feel pretty confident to tell you. Mom and dad knew what had happened to Bob. Okay? But, but they wouldn't acknowledge it. Look, I'm, can we also agree, I'm pretty sure mom and dad were thrilled that their son had been healed. Wouldn't you, I mean, can we all agree? You, you, how could you not, right? Your son, who has been blind his entire life, can now see. And, and they were even in willing, they were willing to confirm to the Pharisees that he was in fact healed, right? However, they were just unwilling to acknowledge Jesus, right? And give him the praise and glory that he deserved for healing their son. And why? Because, remember we read in scripture, because of the threats of the religious leaders who had said anyone who acknowledges that Jesus is the Messiah is getting thrown out of the temple, getting thrown out of the synagogue. Look, uh, uh, that was a big deal. I, 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 don't, I don't want to minimize that to us, okay? Because in that day and age, the synagogue, the temple, was literally literally the center of everyone's spiritual, political, and social lives. It, I mean, that would be like taking the heart out of their life, okay? That, the, that would be, the, 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 I mean, the price for acknowledging Jesus, right, officially would be called excommunication, right, being put out of the church, okay? But what that would really play out in daily life is meant you were going to be living in isolation from all your friends and family, for the rest of your life. So, not a small thing. Not a small thing, okay? But, but they, were, they were unwilling to acknowledge who Jesus was for fear of that. For fear of that, okay? So, how about us today? Uh, why would people today be unwilling to acknowledge to family or neighbors or coworkers, friends, whoever, that, that they'd experienced some kind of answered prayer, that they'd experienced maybe some blessing from God or some type of healing. Why would people be unwilling to acknowledge that to others around them? Ego won't let them? Fear? Fear of? Okay, fear of fear of going again that family or friends won't believe it or accept it. Yeah. Any, any other thoughts? Yeah. Fear fear of fear of being thought you made it up. Yeah. Right. That it, right. Yeah. I mean, look, a lot of a lot of reasons, right? And and I mean, these are not I, these are real things, right? You know, no, none of us really want to be laughed at. Right? We, we don't want to be ridiculed. And if you're talking about, like, like if you're at work, right, and you, and you shared something like that with work friends, maybe the group that always says, hey, let's all go to lunch, never invites you anymore. <laughs> all of a sudden, you're eating alone. I mean, look, the, it's real. It's real, okay? But here's the thing. Matthew 10, verses 32 and 33 says, and this is Jesus talking, he says, whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge 
before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. When God blesses us, or people that we care about, a lot of us are parents here. Can, would, would you agree that if God blesses your children, you're almost more excited than if he did something for you? You know what I mean? Are your grandchildren? You know, you'd, you'd say, you'd say, man, you know, when you're, God, when you're good to my kids or my grandkids, I'll take that all day long over, over anything you'd do for me. Yeah. So when, when those kind of things happen, shouldn't we be quick to recognize not only that a blessing or a miracle took place, but the source of it, right? The source of the answered prayer and give all the praise and honor and glory to God. The parents allowed fear of man to override the testimony of having their son heal from blindness. Some of us like to read Proverbs because it's a book full of wisdom, right? Okay, Proverbs 29:25 says, Fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. So the parents while no doubt thankful, right, remained silent because their faith was bound up in fear. Bound up in fear. Okay, so we've looked at the neighbors, we've looked at the Pharisees and the parents. All have had a different experience so far. So now, let's talk about Bob. Let's talk about Bob, the man who was healed. Look, uh, it, and this is an interesting miracle because in many of the other miracles that are described in the Bible, um, what we kind of get in the biblical narrative is sort of a brief encounter. You know, Jesus is going along. Somebody, uh, somebody yells to him, Lord, help me, heal me, save me. Jesus touches him, blesses him, and it's just kind of like everybody goes on their way. It says they, usually, usually it says they, they chase after following him and praising him. But I mean, but, but we don't get a long, we don't get a much of an account about all that happened around before and after. Here again, it's a little bit different uh, because in this particular miracle, we have a more complete conversation. And it's not only between Jesus and Bob, who was healed, but also between Bob and the Pharisees. So we get a more complete idea of how Bob received and, and reacted to what was going on. So let's follow the conversations, okay? So if you recall when we read the scripture, uh, when Jesus put the mud on Bob's eyes, okay, and told him to go wash in the pool of Siloam, okay, verse 7 tells us that the man went and washed and came home seeing. Well, okay, think about this now. Up till that moment in his life, Bob has never had any kind of encounter with Jesus or with anything, right? Like that. He was blind. Okay, so even though it's not like he had read news articles about, oh, Jesus is doing all these things. If you ever get to be around him, good stuff can happen. I mean, think about it. Today, we already, you can look up so many different ways to know what's going on in the world. When it comes close to you, you can go, I already kind of know about that. Bob didn't know about this, okay? And so even though he had this, like, no previous experience with Jesus, when, his, when he encountered Jesus, 
something sufficiently powerful must have happened, must have resonated within Bob's spirit that he followed Jesus' instructions to go wash. I mean, otherwise, you, you know, you'd kind of go, hey, what's this guy, what do you put on my face? Well, no, but think about, I mean, really, real life. Somebody you don't know walks up to you, and it doesn't, it doesn't say they had a lot of conversation. It doesn't say, Jesus, it doesn't say he said, would you like to be healed? It doesn't say the guy, you know, called to him and said, Jesus, heal me. It just says Jesus made some mud and put it on the man's eyes. I mean, for a lot of us, if something like that happened, we might go, what's going on here? And why, why, why and man, just get the mud off my eyes. Why would, and, you know, why would I go wash? Okay, but something must have resonated within his, his spirit that even though he had no experience to hang this on and go, oh, this is like I heard in, you know, church last Sunday, or oh, this is, do you see what I mean? He didn't have some other teaching or experience to hang it on. He just believed. And so he went and he did it. And I just want to also call to your attention, let's remember that when it says he obeyed and he went and washed, he was still blind, which means that somebody had to take him. Do you see what I mean? This was not a small thing. This wasn't like just, oh, yeah, I'll just run out. No, he had to find somebody who would take him. And that somebody who didn't know either, can you imagine the conversation along the way? Bob, why you got mud on your eyes? I mean, just put it in context. I mean, this was, this was no small thing. Uh, someone who has had to be a beggar all their lives who doesn't have a lot of social status or power, having to now almost defend why they're going to do something? I mean, can you imagine? You might not do that, but, he w but there was something that caused him a spark of faith. A spark of faith must have been ignited that caused him to say, I'm going to do what this guy says. I'm, even though it sounds crazy. Right? I'm going to go do what this man says. And so he goes, and, and you know, it was just simple obedience, wasn't it? Bob just, he didn't argue. He didn't say why. It's just Jesus said, go and wash, and he just went and washed. Something for us to learn in that, right? He just did it. And as a result, Bob came home seeing. Okay, afterwards, the neighbors questioned him. Bob testified to his own personal experience, didn't he? He didn't hesitate to testify what, what Jesus had done for him. Verse 11, he says, they, the, the man they called Jesus made some mud, put it on my eyes. He told me to go to the pool of Siloam and watch, so I did. And then I could see. Then, the, after that, they took him to the Pharisees. And again, Bob told them, the man put mud on my eyes, I washed, now I can see. You know, I, there's a couple things there that just strikes me. One is, you know, it's like there's some people I know that fish. And sometimes when they tell me about having gone fishing, every time I hear about it, the fish got a little bigger. They fought a little harder. Now, do, you, do you know what I mean? You know, sometimes there's creep. <laughs> there's a little, there's, okay. I mean, so, or, or sometimes we tell something and we don't get the reaction we thought, and so then the story gets smaller. 
Okay, sometimes things change. Look, what I'm impressed with here already, Bob's given his testimony twice and it's exactly the same. Bob's not making it a bigger deal. He's not making it, he's not diminishing. He's not saying, oh, well, you know, maybe it was just, maybe I was going to see anyway. It, no, do, you, do you see what I mean? He's this man who has no status, no position, no power, no background, no nothing that causes him to have authority in what he says, but he's willing to stand firm twice now and say, hey, the man put mud on my eyes, told me to wash, I just did what he said, I obeyed, and now I can see. Okay? Okay, so now the Pharisees hear this, right? And remember, they were apparently only concerned with the fact that this had all happened on a Sabbath. Okay, they didn't really care that Bob could see. Never does it say, wonderful, we're so happy for you, this is great. No, they, he, I mean, this was a creative miracle. This, this, that, that's like, the, to me, I think the biggest kind of all. This isn't like Bob had a broken leg. Now, Bob had a leg. If the bone was broken, that's a restoring miracle, right? I mean, the bone's all there. That, you, you see what I mean? It's just putting it back together. Okay? If Bob was born blind since birth, Bob was missing some connections. They weren't broken or damaged. They were non-existent. So that's a creative miracle. Which, uh, wow, okay? So they didn't even care that they, had, they were witnesses of a creative miracle. They just questioned Bob again by asking him who he thought Jesus was. Well, Bob gives them, you remember, Bob is growing in his faith. Bob doesn't have a, a, a degree in Bible studies or, you know what I mean? So he's using, Bob is sharing what he knows, which isn't complete, but isn't that what we're supposed to do? Is just, I don't have to know all the answers in perfect, you know, order. I just need to share what I know. Okay, and so he said, well, he's a prophet. Well, we might say, well, I don't know if that was, you know, is the apostle a prophet? Is he a, he, I, what, but he's a man of God. He says he's a prophet. Well, they didn't like that answer. So they called the parents back in again. And they still got nowhere with them. So now they bring Bob back in yet again. I mean, can you imagine this? So they bring Bob back in again. And they demand, well, like this time, Bob, they said, tell the truth. Give glory to God. That's a very, uh, you know, pharisaical way of saying, tell the truth this time. Okay? Tell the truth. And, and all the while it says that while they're telling him to come back in and tell the truth, they're, they're throwing insults and denouncing Jesus as a sinner. The Pharisees were. So, I mean, that, that's pressure on him to change his story. Do you understand? That's what that's for. That's to say, you, you're going you're gonna to be brave if you say anything other than, oh, I changed my mind. I guess I just, you know, okay. But he didn't. And so Bob, because they're call, calling Jesus a sinner in verse 25, Bob responds in his growing faith. And he says, listen. Whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. Right? I don't know. I just met the guy. Okay? But here's what I know. I was blind. But now I can see. Okay? Isn't that like the best testimony in the world? Simple, short, to the point, clear. That's all I can tell you. I was lost, but now I'm found. I was addicted, but now I'm not. 
I was living in sin. Now I'm not. I was broken. Now I'm healed. I had no hope. Now I have hope. I was estranged from my family. Now I'm back reunited. Do you understand? that Sometimes we make it way too difficult. It's all, all we're asked to do in Scripture is just share a story. Just tell what you know. And that's all Bob's doing. He's just telling what he knows. Isn't that great? Just giving glory to God. Said, I don't know all these other things. I don't know all these other things. I just know I was blind. Isn't that bad enough? I mean, isn't that a big enough deal, guys? I was, I was blind. I couldn't see. I haven't been able to see all my life. And all of a sudden, this guy shows up out of nowhere, puts mud on my eyes, tells me to go wash. Hey, I'll go try that. And now I can see. Okay. So then when they questioned him finally one more time about his feeling, Bob, who's now full of faith, and he's proven he's unwilling to recant his testimony, he kind of spoke to the Pharisees pretty boldly for a guy. In verse 27, he says, I've told you already, but you didn't listen. Do you want to hear my testimony again? Do you want to become a disciple, a believer too? <laughs> that's a guy that's willing to share his faith. Okay? When the, when the Pharisees then tried to discredit Jesus, Bob, one final time, says in verse 31, we know that God doesn't listen to sinners. This isn't the Pharisees talking. This is Bob. Remember, this is Bob. We know, we know, that God doesn't listen to sinners. He listens to the godly person who does his will. Nobody has ever heard of opening the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. Bob is defending Jesus and confirming his faith. At this point, the Pharisees were so outraged they, it says in the scripture, they hurled insults at Bob and they threw him out. So they excommunicated him. They threw him out. They said, you are isolated forever. You never come back. But isn't it incredible that what we've seen in those steps is that Bob's newly received physical site had rapidly joined forces with his spiritual sight. He could see who Jesus was. Okay, last bit of passage of Scripture today. Uh, John 9, 35 to 41. It says, uh, Jesus heard that they had thrown Bob out of the temple, and he came and found him. And, and Jesus says to Bob, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Who is he, sir? Tell me so that I can believe. Jesus said, you have now seen him, and in fact, he's the one speaking to you. That's Jesus saying, it's me. And Bob, Bob says, well then, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Okay, so what we see here is that when Bob gets thrown out of the temple, he, you know, he comes, he finds Jesus. Jesus says, I'm the Messiah, and Bob says, I believe. No hesitation, no no. No conditions, no nothing, right? Just, I believe, simple faith. Look, today, what we've seen in this biblical account, right, is that with each encounter, with each step, Bob, he experienced this opportunity to either listen and obey, okay, uh, the voice of God, or he could have refused. His initial obedience 
led to his healing. His initial obedience led to his, his uh, which his, in that healing, removed his physical blindness. Physically. Then he continued to walk out that newfound faith, didn't he? He continued to walk it out by sharing with those around him. Neighbors, Pharisees, parents, everybody. And, and he was even willing to incur the wrath of the Pharisees. Okay? But Bob just became stronger in his faith with each step, with each little, you know, mountain he had to climb over. Okay? Uh, and he came to recognize that Jesus must be from God. He must be the Messiah because he was doing all the things that the Messiah would do. So his final testimony, O Lord, I believe, now removed anything that was remaining of spiritual blindness in his life. And now he can see physically and spiritually. So uh, Bob, the man born blind, right, whose faith had grown a lot and very quickly, he was the guy who we can literally say chose, chose to walk by faith and not by sight, right? But his, but his faith gave him both. Okay. Pharisees, on the other hand, whose physical sight was fine, right? They continued to reject who Jesus was, not, only, not because they couldn't see the miracles he was doing, but because they, it's not because they couldn't, it was because they wouldn't, right? They wouldn't see the things that was happening right in their path. And so their faith remained unchanged and remained locked up in the past. Now, I think we'd all agree that we want to live like Bob. We want to live like Bob. We want to live in ways where our faith could grow. So let's just end up by talking, what are ways to grow our faith? Okay, what can we do to grow our faith? Excuse me. Okay, first thing you do if you want to grow your faith is you be like Bob and you obey what Jesus tells you to do. It's that simple. Obey what Jesus tells you to do and obey immediately. Blind men knew nothing about Jesus. We're not even told what, that he had any background in faith. All we know is that when Jesus told him to go and wash, he obeyed. That's all we know. That obedience opened the door to his miracle. So the first step in growing our faith, and I think a lot of us might agree with this, the first step in growing our faith often involves simple obedience. Simple obedience to God and his word. Just do, when God tells you to do something, do it. Second thing, got to stand firm. We'll grow in our faith when we stand firm in the face of opposition. Okay? Look, following Jesus can lead to rejection, even persecution. Uh, the Pharisees, instead of being excited and, re and joyful, <laughs> when they heard the testimony of a man who had been healed, they excommunicated the guy. You would think they would have wanted him on the front row the next Sunday morning to give testimony. But no, they didn't want him anywhere around. They put him out of the synagogue. James 1.12 gives us hope in, even when, when we suffer some opposition and persecution. James 1.12 says, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. Because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. There's, there's a blessing when we withstand that opposition. Third thing, final, share your story with others. Share your story with others. Man born blind was willing to share his story with his neighbors, his parents, even those who were supposed to be his spiritual leaders. He's willing to share it. 
he could do it with confidence and power because uh, it was his story and it's your story and you can share your story and it doesn't have to be complex doesn't have to be long I was blind now I can see each one of us have that story so just remember that Jesus has done things in your life and mine and our call is to share our story let's stand while we get ready to close okay today just real quickly you can bow your head Close your eyes, nobody looking around. Just got a simple thing. Today, if you're ready to make a commitment, to be like Bob, okay? To do the things necessary to grow your faith. If, you're, if you say, yep, I'm willing, I want to live obediently to God's word, I'm going to stand firm in my faith even when there's a price to pay, and when God gives me an opportunity, I'm going to be willing to tell my story to those around me. If you'd be willing to commit to that, raise your hand. Amen. Lord, today you've seen our hands. God, you know our hearts. And Father, our desire is to live for your honor and glory, to give you the praise, to recognize that you are at work in our lives. And God, we, uh, we just want to have a growing faith. Lord, wherever we are today, we want to be stronger tomorrow. I want to take a step forward, step forward. Lord, I want to keep moving, keep moving with you. And I pray, Lord, that I'll get there by, by being obedient to what you tell me to do, Father, to stand firm even when there's some opposition to it, but I know it's from you. And third, Lord, to be willing to share with those around me what you've done in my life. Lord, we just commit that to you as is our goal for our lives as well. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen.